FM, this is Connected, episode 426. Today's show is brought to you by our excellent sponsors, Text Expander and Memberful. I'm one of your co-hosts, Federico Vitici, and it's my pleasure, once again, like every week, to introduce my other friend and co-host, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Federico. How are you? I am doing fantastic, uh, but it's not just the two of us today. That's right. As foretold, we are also joined by John Voorhees. Hey, John. Hey, Stephen. How's it going? It's good. Thanks uh, Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's great to be here. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about computers and stuff now that we've gotten our gotten cars and trucks out of our system. That, that's right. Yeah, we talked about cars and trucks uh, in the connected pro part of the show. Is that a metaphor just... from Steve Jobs? Yes. yes. It is. That's what it was about exactly iPads and iPads and computers and cars and trucks. If you are not a Connected Pro member, now's a great time. Go to GiveRelay.com. You'll get 20% off an annual plan for Connected Pro or any of our other shows. Uh, Connected Pro is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. Mm -hmm. So you can go to GiveRelay.com and give it as a gift or send that link to a family member who maybe doesn't know what to buy you. Uh, Or you can use the coupon code 2023HOLIDAYS to get 20% off if you purchase it yourself. This does run through December 17th, so you got a couple weeks left. Uh, but now's a great time to join and uh, get longer ad-free versions of the show. So we got some follow-up, uh, and I wanted to start with uh, Jason, who runs the excellent Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, and this comes out of our fundraiser for St. Jude earlier this year. Um, there was a, a goal that... Uh, Jason would be adding uh, API support to Wikipedia. And so I've got a link in the show notes to the API page on the site. And it also includes some links to some shortcuts that interact with the data provided by Wikipedia. So he has three example shortcuts on this site. One is who's the chairman. One is show me the tricky. And the third one is ineligible, ineligible picks which goes to a page of picks we can't use uh, according to the new the new rules. Uh, but if you look through this page, it is incredible how much stuff is shown in the API. I mean, we have topics and coin flips and the uh, charity page of who's donated what over the years for the flexies. Uh, it's really something really impressive. And so uh, a big thank you to Jason for working on this. And uh, we'd love to see what people do with it. Yeah, this is incredible. I mean, you look at the there's change log for changes to the Bill of Rickies. There's it's it's very nicely documented, like all these JSON um, results that you can get um, from the API. Very nicely formatted, very readable. This is perfect for automation via shortcuts. Uh, you can integrate this with Siri if you want to. Uh, I'm just taking a look now. The <laughs> there's a coin flip and coin flip method <laughs> are included in the AP. Yeah, this is this is fantastic. Yeah, this is really nice. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you can probably build an app for the Rikis if you think about it. Mm. I think that this is a really good opportunity for home automation. I mean, really, when the chairman changes, maybe you have all your your lights blink on and off, or you know, when, when when there's a coin flip, you have your your HomePod announce something, you know, like heads or tails. I don't know. I mean, there's there's a, you could, a lot uh, of things. You could run an you could run an automation um, daily. I'm I'm just uh, thinking out loud here, but you could <laughs> have automations that guy. run every day. 
And if today matches one of the days from the API, the shortcut could remind you, hey, today, two years ago, you were named annual chairman. Or something like that. Mm. Yeah, sort let's of start like playing the episode. This, on this day in the Rickies, like something like that, basically. Or, or maybe, I mean, you could take it further. Like maybe you could tie a coin flip to like whether your doors unlock or stay locked. <laughs> and so if it's like heads, your house is unlocked till the next time we do a coin flip or something. I mean, wow. go wild. Yes. So thank you, Jason, so much. Uh, the community around this show is just so special. And this is yet another example of it. I do have a follow-up item. I put it in follow-up, not because it's a direct follow-up item to a precise thing we talked about before, but it's just because the topic uh, is something we always discuss on the show, and it feels like it's more appropriate for follow-up. There's a new MagSafe charger (laughs) that I want to talk about. And, you know, the quest for MagSafe chargers (laughs) is never over. It just... uh, it resets every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, the latest entry in this market is the OtterBox 2-in-1 power bank. Now, this is sold on the uh, on the Apple Store. It's on Apple.com in the US. Uh, usually with these things, I haven't checked, but I guess it's not available yet in Italy, but it should be soon. Anyway, I'll check later. Um So this thing is wild because it's like the two-in-one, they really designed this product for that name. So it's a charger and a battery. It supports the iPhone and the watch. And you can place your iPhone either laying down or standing upright. Because the thing about this accessory is this is like a folding battery that you can close and you can fold open and you can use it both as a power bank or as a char- as a, like a nightstand or table charger with a cable, with a 20-watt cable plugged in. So take a look at the pictures because it, I, I, it's one of those things that you really got to see what it looks like to understand what I'm talking about. It's very compact. I guess it's been designed like for people who travel often. But I could also see this as like an accessory that you can put in a bag uh, if you want to have a power bank that for whatever reason works with MagSafe. Like if you work at a coffee shop you can pull this out of your bag and place it on your table and you're charging your iPhone via 15-watt MagSafe, which is the highest rate, I guess, for charging via MagSafe. And you can also charge the Apple Watch. There's like, there's a mini, uh, well, there's a small uh, watch charging puck right there. Uh, But if you don't want to use it as a battery, you uh, you can place it on your nightstand or on a desk and it becomes like a like a thick charging mat. Uh, you run a USB cable to it, and now it's a desk accessory. I am really intrigued by this. It's been certified by Apple. It uses the fast wi- the faster wireless charging for 15 watts on the iPhone. It supports fast charging on the Apple Watch, and I don't know. It's weird, and I kind of love it because this thing, unlike the other ones, it folds and it's also portable. Is it a cube? It's not a cube. Oh, that's a point against it. I know it's a point against it, especially like I'm looking at my sweet, sweet cube right now. Here, I just <laughs> placed my iPhone on the cube. I mean, I love this thing. I was actually thinking about buying cubes for the entire house. 
mm. like a cube for me, a cube for Sylvia, another cube for me, a cube in the kitchen, a cube <laughs> in the living room, like cubes everywhere. Sort of turn my house into like a Minecraft situation with all these cubes. <laughs> but I, I love this thing, man. I love the cube and it's so dense. Like I just picked it up. It feels so nice. But anyway, the Otter Box 2-in-1, I forgot to mention, it's $150. That's kind of spendy for a, for a power brick, but it does do a lot more. I mean, here's the thing, Federico. I'm going to rain on your parade a little bit. This only does 5-watt charging for the Apple Watch, which is no, kind of a... No, I, I think the that's Apple right. website says fast charging for Apple Watch. Mm, all right. Well, I mean, you're saying that Apple.com is lying? I am because I was looking at the specs on the Otter pay, Otterbox page. And what does the Otterbox page say? It says five watts for the watch. It says fast charging for Apple Watch. On And five watts is not fast charging for the Apple Watch, I don't think. And if you're part of Ultra Club, like me and Steven, you do not want to use a slow charger on the Apple Watch Ultra. Well, look. It takes all day. Somebody's lying here. I'm guessing like somebody's not telling the truth because I'm on the Apple store. It says fast charging for Apple watch. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to, this is a, this is a, I don't know. It's a conspiracy. Maybe. Maybe it's a conspiracy and uh, it doesn't say anything. It just says fast charging for Apple watch on, on, on apple.com. So we'll have to do more research here because I guess that item in particular must not be accurate somewhere. Uh, I too have a new charging story. It's not it's not mm. cubed, uh, but for forever I've used the Studio Neat Material Docs. They're they're friends of ours. We have a show on the network, and I've had just the regular MagSafe one just on my desk in my office. But now that I have AirPods that can wirelessly charge, and you know, on occasion you want to throw your Apple Watch on a charger at your desk, like run an update or something. So they have the new uh, like three-in-one uh, material dock, and I just got it in the mail yesterday. I haven't set it up yet. I was going to this morning, but I'm not home today. It has uh, the Apple Watch, a flat MagSafe, and a uh, an upright MagSafe, so you can use like the always-on display. And uh, I'm very excited about building it and uh, and putting it together. I have some follow-out for the two of y'all for your. Mm. App Stories program. I've really enjoyed the Nerding Out on the Holidays series. And oh, thank you. I was listening to part two of that just the other day. Yeah. And one thing that came up was uh, your wireless networks. And Federico, you are contemplating ah, changing yes. up your wireless network. And I sent you all a text and I thought, what am I doing? We're going to be on a show together, which is rare. Uh, we, the three of us don't get to record very often. And uh, I just wanted to throw my hat in the ring for Eero. Yes, they're a previous sponsor. Uh, yes, probably some of the Eros in my house they gave me, but I've been really happy with them. I sent y'all a screenshot of my network. Everything is using Ethernet as the backhaul. And I've got the Eero Pro, so not the new, what is it, 6E is the newest one? Yeah. So mine are a little bit older. Uh, John, I, I agreed with what you said. Like, 6E is going to be cool, but one, I don't have... Um, I don't even know if like my internet speed, I have a gigabit, I have gigabit down. So like I don't know if I'd really benefit from 6E and it'd be all new base stations and only like one of my devices has it. So I'm not in a big hurry. Um, but I do think Eero wins in terms of ease of use and I think aesthetics. I think they look pretty good. I've got a couple that are out 
uh, I think the Google, the new Google Home one looks really cheap. It looks like a, it's like shiny and plasticky. And like, I'm not saying it's not your thing, but for me, I, I think I prefer the Eero. I'm John made me second guess my decision because he said to try to keep everything you know as wired as possible. Yes, and I yep. know that the Eero only has two ports, and like already in 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 the living room, in the back of the Orbi, there are like three things that are wired in. Yeah, like how can I do that if I get an Eero? Yeah, yeah. So the way mine is set up in my sort of main like where the the Comcast box sits. I have it, and it's running one Ethernet cable into my Eero, and the cable out of that Eero I have going into it just like a gigabit switch, and that has like 10 Ethernets running. That goes to, to like the studio, all the other Eero's, a couple like the printer and a couple other things. So it, I mean, being wired definitely makes things messier, and I wish the Eero's had more than just two ports. Like that's really my main complaint about them. Like even if it was three four would be awesome but i guess most people probably aren't using ethernet the way we are and and you know like i'm fine having a switch i get to the top of one of my kids closets no one sees it it's fine but it definitely makes things a little bit messier what is a switch you know it's like uh you take one ethernet in and you get like a bunch of other ethernet ports coming out of it oh it's like it's like a usb hub before the internet yeah, basically. I got a bunch of them. Yeah, so here's just literally the first thing I found on Amazon. I'm not recommending or not recommending this one. Does it require any configuration? Like, or is it just you just plug it in and it does its thing? Yeah, so you want an unmanaged switch. And all the cheap ones are unmanaged. Yes. And uh, it's like power and Ethernet and that's it. It does everything on your own. Why didn't anyone tell me about these things before? Well, I'm telling you now. They are very cheap unless you try to get one that is for above one gigabit. If you go above one gigabit, they start getting expensive. You can get a two and a half and two and a half gigabit router or, or I guess switch for around $150. If you go all the way up to like 10 gigabit, you're going to start spending somewhere like three, $400 yeah. at least. It, it gets really expensive with higher speeds. And the exact okay, one so I have... Right now is twenty one dollars on Amazon, but I yes I just have gigabit. That's the fastest any so, of my so stuff goes. L let's be realistic here, okay? Once this fiber is eventually activated here, we're just waiting. They gave us a deadline of December twenty first, so I guess we're all the whole building is talking about this date of <laughs> December twenty first. We'll see, <laughs> but anyway, realistically, okay. You guys know me, what I do. I like to play video games, watch Apple TV. You know, I use the internet over here like, like you guys do, but we don't have kids. It's just me and Sylvia and the occasional guest. Do I need to go over one gigabit? No. I don't think yes, so. Yes, you okay. do. Oh, gosh, <laughs> you're killing me. <sighs> Look, here, here's, why, here's why I think you do. I think Stephen is probably right, but, but it depends. If you want to do re remote play for video games and things, you'll probably want something faster. Yeah, but then the question becomes like, what's at the other end, right? I mean, is gigabit down your limitation there? I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's as fast as I can do at my address. So it's gigabit down and like 80 to 90 megabits up normally. And I hate that it's lopsided. I've told the story before, AT&T Fiber, which is symmetrical gigabit, is available across the street from me, but not in my house because the way our sub, you know, the way our neighborhood is laid out. So it pains me when I 
walk by someone's house thinking they have sweet, sweet fiber in there. But I don't, I don't think you've got to go above it. I mean, the big question is like, is cost, right? Like is gigabit, whatever gigabit is a month, right? Uh, they may charge substantially more to go over that and it may just not be worth it. Yeah, no, it's a fair point too that people are making in the Discord that in fact, you know, none of the consoles are more than one gigabit. But I was thinking a little bit more about your your PC, Federico, your gaming PC. I mean, there are there are vanish. I don't think it's got. I don't think it's got an uh, an over one gigabit Ethernet port. Oh, all right. Well, there are vanishingly few things that use more than one gigabyte one gigabit. And the only thing I've got is my Mac Studio, and I've got that hardwired at like two gigabits and Mm -hmm. it's nice i mean it's nice it's both up and down that speed and it does make a difference in kind of the large file stuff that i do uh but but for everything else in my house it's either on wi-fi and it's something slower or it's wired at one one gigabit the the other thing is like like we point out with these switches is that anything internal to your network above a gigabit the cost goes way up and again it may not be worth worth that like um for me i'm happy with where i am if you know if i could get two gig fiber honestly i don't think i'd rush out tomorrow and like overhaul the rest of my network to take advantage of it i mean maybe out to the studio but you know there's a couple switches in between me and my desk and the internet and so you're looking at spending you know noticeably more for maybe not that much sort of real life experience improvement what about what about like in terms of doing multiple things at the same time? Like, what if I'm remote playing something? Sylvia is watching a 4K video. Maybe Sylvia's sister is here and she's having a call on Zoom. Like, even in that case, like how like can you? And I'm asking this because I never had fiber. Can you fill up a one gigabit connection by doing those things, like multiple of those things around the house? So so what I would say is I had this internet connection when my kids were doing school at home because of COVID. And my wife was teaching from home and I was doing my job. And so we had uh, one of our kids' schools still met in person. So two kids doing video chatting on and off throughout the day. Mary doing video chatting all day teaching. And me recording shows and uploading shows and doing all this if I do made no difference. I, I could not tell that the network was congested beyond anything I would ever notice. Okay. Well, John, I'm sorry, but it f- seems like I would only get the faster one just because I know that it's the best one out there. And all of this is very hypothetical, by the way. Like, I'm just imagining that there <laughs> right. will be a 2.5 or a 2.0 option for gigabit fiber. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Uh, so if I went to the Eero route, which one should I get? The 6E or the 6, the 6 Plus? Like, which one is enough? If I'm getting a 1 gigabit fiber. I think six is still more than enough in most circumstances, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking about the Eros, which are not super duper expensive. They're not cheap, but you know, a six E router is going to cost you a ton of money, especially if you're getting something. Yeah. It's much more expensive than the six plus. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I don't think you've got to rush out and, and future proof for a speed. You're not going to, you're not going to get, I mean, one thing to keep an eye out on, I'm, I haven't looked at Eros' website in a long time, but 
It looks like some of their products have the Ethernet jacks on the back and some don't. Like some of the, like I'm looking at the six, the add-ons just you have power and not Ethernet in them. So, you know, you got to think about where you're going to put them. And I don't think you're going to be running Ethernet around the house very much. So, yeah, I would think, I would think your place is pretty easy to do too, since you're all on one floor. You know, I think that that makes a difference. I'm on three floors now, which is kind of hard because it can create a lot of dead spots. But yeah, I think six, I mean, none of the Apple products at least support anything greater than six. So at least there you'd be in good shape. Okay. Okay. All right. So maybe I could consider the six plus, the Eero six plus, uh, which is much cheaper, even if you get the three-piece, like the three-unit version, mm-hmm. which I think is overkill for me. The three-unit says that it covers up to 420 square meters, which is much, much bigger than what I needed to. So maybe the two-unit is enough, but I don't know. I we think got, two would do you probably. You know, we got we got concrete walls and, and you know, I don't know if that matters, but I think think the three unit is probably overkill for like an apartment on one floor yeah probably i mean this is the kind of thing about wi-fi that i find really frustrating is that it's really impossible to know until you buy the stuff and try it out because you really don't know how it's going to work with your configuration you know the materials that your house is made of that whether you're on multiple floors all those kind of things are, are big factors Something else before we switch to, to proper topics. Um, there's one thing I want to mention on the show because I, I'm hoping that someone from Apple is listening to this. And before I forget, I think I mentioned this on and off before inside one of my articles, maybe in the iOS review, maybe in the stage manager article, but this thing is driving me crazy. And it just happened again as I was replying to Matt on Discord and I just need to mention this. There's this problem with the iPadOS 16 keyboard that is so annoying. I don't know if you guys ever seen this. So when you have a, an external keyboard connected to your iPad, whether it's a Magic Keyboard or, in this case, a Bluetooth um, keyboard, um, the, there's that little floating... It doesn't have a name. Floating button that is like the keyboard options floating menu. Have you guys seen this? For me right now, it says EN because my keyboard is set in English. Oh, yeah. And it floats right there and it always, always gets in the way of text fields, toolbar buttons, just key interface elements that I need to either see or click or touch. And this thing, there's no way that like this floating pill, button, menu, whatever, there's no way to make it go away, it seems. When you long press it, it says keyboard settings, show keyboard, show emoji, show emoji, Italian and English. These are like my keyboard configurations, I guess. But I don't care, and I just want to hide this thing. Right now, I, if I wanted to share a photo, a screenshot on Discord, I couldn't, because this thing is in the way of the plus button to add an attachment. And if I try to drag it away, seems like I can't, because it insists on showing me a menu instead. So it's unhideable, unmovable, 
it just horrible design. Like, this is actually even worse than some aspects of stage manager. I just, if there's a way to remove this from existence, please let me know. If there isn't, there should be one. Last week, we announced the triumphant return of the Tiny Heads t-shirt without Mike's knowledge or approval. Uh, And I'm very happy to report that with seven days left, we have officially sold more this time than last time. So thank you for everyone who has ordered a shirt. Uh, If you haven't, again, you have just seven days left. So there's a link in the show notes and you can be part of Tiny Head history. This episode of Connected is made possible by Text Expander. When you work with a small team, every moment counts. You don't want to be wasting your time finding video conference details to send to a new client or tracking down the same FAQs from the company website. These are the kinds of things you want at your fingertips so you can get your work done faster. And that's why you need Text Expander. With Text Expander, you can access what you type the most with just a few keystrokes allowing you to work faster and eliminate repetition, letting you focus on what matters most to you. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your team's work. All you have to do is type a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest. You can build and collect your most commonly used phrases, messages, URLs, and more right within Text Expander. Then create your chosen abbreviation and they'll be with you wherever you're typing. You can even customize these snippets by having them automatically add in dates, fill in the blank fields, timestamps. You can build drop down menus, so many options with Text Expander. And these tools make sure that you still keep your personality in the communication that you're sending. Text Expander, of course, is available on any device you use, across any app you use Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. I've used Text Expander forever. I cannot imagine sitting down at a Mac or even my PC without it there. Uh, Today is the last day of the month, and that means that I have some bookkeeping stuff to do uh, for Relay, and I was doing that this morning. I have to send a couple emails and do a couple things, and I have so much of that built into Text Expander now. With just a couple of keystrokes, I can fill out this whole form that I need to fill out and send in to somebody. It's really fantastic. It makes this uh, repeating work much easier to get done. If repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check out Text Expander today at textexpander.com slash connected. That link is also in the show notes. At that link, you can get 20% off your first year. That's textexpander.com slash connected to say goodbye to repetitive typing. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of the show and Relay FM. So I realized the other day that it has been 10 years wow. since the original iPad mini went on sale. It was announced in the... Wow. wow. No. <laughs> it, I know. It was announced in the fall of 2012 alongside the fourth generation iPad. Remember that one? The iPad 3 had the Retina display and the iPad 4 came out nine months later with a GPU that could actually drive the Retina display. I also introduced Lightning to the iPad. Uh, the iPad Mini, the original one, famously did not have a Retina display, but it did launch with until what was very recently modern iPad design, where the the long bezels were a little bit thinner, not not as uh, squared off uh, as what we had seen before. And I, you know, thinking back, I ordered an iPad Mini immediately. I was I was captivated by the idea. 
And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that today and then kind of about where the iPad mini has gone and where it may be going. So thinking back a decade, uh, was the iPad mini something that the two of you were interested in off the bat? Did, did you get one of those early ones? Kind of what's your story with it? I think I remember that I was very into the idea, but I I'm pretty sure I was very disappointed by the first version of the mini not having the retina display. And so, uh, like, I was very intrigued by the form factor, but I was very sad about the display. And I also remember being very happy about the... Was it the second generation that added the retina display? Yeah, just a year later. In fact, I reread my original iPad mini review, and then I was like, I think it's going to be a while before they fit a retina display in here. (laughs) Uh, But they did it the next year. Uh, And I think I actually used the mini as like my main ipad for like several months i think and i mean now that's 10 years ago and so the details are kind of hazy right now but of course i'm pretty sure that for like six months i ran this experiment where like the ipad mini was my only ipad was there a cellular version of the ipad mini there was yeah so yeah i probably used it with the sim card in it as like my main computer for like six months that was when i was in between ipads and it was also right before like i officially made the leap to go full-on ipad lifestyle Mm -hmm. that was 2014 with the ipad air and i think in 2013 so in 2012 the Mini came out. Then in 2013, it got the Retina Display. And I think in 2013, yes, because in 2013, I was done with with treatments. And I was sort of rethinking my entire lifestyle and workflow. Mm-hmm. And so I was in between the iPad 3, which is the one that I was using in 2012, and these the iPad mini and i and i think i remember that for like a few months i said well i'm going to use the iPad mini as a work computer and then the following year i decided i like the iPad so much i want to use it as my main machine instead of the MacBook Air that i had and so i went all in on the iPad so yeah. the workflow but with the iPad Air in 2014 yeah what about you john i have i've had 3 iPad minis I had one of the early ones, and I, I'm not actually sure which one it is. It's probably probably the 2014 with Touch ID. I think that might have been. No, actually, it's the 2013 I had. And then I went with the 2015 iPad Mini, and now I've got the most current one. And it's it's always been a product that kind of... That intrigued me, I think, in a lot of this for a lot of the same reasons Federico listed, but it's never quite delivered until the more modern one, the one that's mm-hmm. out now. That one I really feel like took a, a big leap forward. And you know, those those earlier ones ended up as hand-me-downs. My my wife is still using the the one from that I had before that has touch ID. And she loves it for reading books and playing, you know, casual games and things like that, watching video. And my current Mac mini I'm using for a lot of different uses. I mean, for it's primarily for reading. I'll read uh, articles in Matter. I'll do things like 
uh, respond to emails. It's kind of the device I use when I'm done sitting in front of a computer all day and still want to get a few things done. So I'll sit on the couch and use the mini. Yeah, the that 2013 was a big year. It that is when the first iPad Air came out, and so the big iPad matched the Mini in terms of industrial design, and they both got the A7, which had shown up in the iPhone 5S, the first 64-bit uh, A series chip, and so that year you really had two iPads. You had the Mini, and you had the Air, and you just picked your size. And other than that, they were effectively the same iPad. And year is kind of like the, it, it It may have given us false hope about how Apple was going to treat the iPad mini down the road because mm-hmm. in 2014, it got Touch ID, as uh, someone just mentioned, but no other updates. And then in 2015, it got updated to the A8, but again, really no other changes. And that fourth gen from 2015, uh, was on sale for four years. Uh, and in the later years, just as the 128 gigabyte high-end model, do y'all remember that? Where like the, yeah. the only iPad mini was the most expensive one and it put it like midway in the range price-wise. It was very strange. And I think they started taking it a bit more seriously in 2019 when it went from the A8 to the A12 and uh, it got first-generation pencil support. And, and those... Five generations of iPad mini all looked the same other than you know, the display and touch ID, but in the same form factor. In September of last year, so about 12, 13 months ago, mm-hmm. we got the current iPad mini, which brings the flat sides, pencil to USB-C, all that stuff to the mini for the first time. And now it's been over a year, and of course there's no update, and I guess we're just waiting for... To understand what this new iPad mini schedule is going to be like. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I have a feeling that the iPad mini is going to be at least on a two-year schedule. Yeah. Right? Um, so, for example, if a, if a Pencil 3 comes out next year, and we've been talking about the weirdness of the Apple Pencil lineup over the past few weeks. So, let's say that a Pencil 3 comes out next year. Um I wouldn't be surprised if in September 23, we got a new iPad mini that supports the Apple Pencil 2, so the older version, but it's got maybe a liquid, like it's got the mini LED display, like it's it's got promotion and the better display, but it doesn't have the fancy Apple Pencil. Like, it's always going to be one step behind somewhere, and right now it's one step behind in the display department. Yeah, maybe in the future it'll be behind in terms of the accessories. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I think the thing with the mini is that it's really not designed to be updated on a v- super regular basis. I mean, the A15 is still a really good chip. And for something like the mini, it powers it really well. I do wish that like Federico had had a, a better screen, but... You know, I feel pretty good about the performance otherwise still using it today. I think it could also use some additional storage options. I think, you know, that's a little bit limited as well. But, you know, a few more tiers of that and and a ProMotion and a better display could be could be a nice selling point going forward. I think I agree with like the two-year cadence. I think that's that seems about right to me. And I mean, if you look at the other iPads, like the iPad Pro is... 18 to 24 months, the iPad Air. Like, that's about when iPads get updated. Now, there's a weird thing going on in the iPad line for a long time now 
where they don't all get updated at once. And so you end up with oddities like like that uh the 10th generation ipad right it's like a bundle of mystery it's like why is that thing the way that it is uh and so there's always some pressure there on some products that okay well you're clearly out of step with your siblings um but the ipad mini i mean it 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 was tim cook's like first newish product i mean it was basically an ipad 2 but smaller in the beginning um and then they made it really good with the the second gen with retina but it's always felt a little bit like it's probably the least well-selling ipad i would imagine maybe that or like the 12.9 um but it's it's definitely not a mainstream like the ipad air or the 10th generation ipad you know no adjective is some of that's apple's fault like the four-year period where it didn't get an update yeah it didn't get an update it didn't sell because you didn't update it right and and people yeah. If you look at the iPad sales over time, their best quarters are when they have updates. <laughs> and uh, and so I hope that the Mini does get regular attention because, um, and I got some links in the show notes, both of you wrote about the current iPad Mini, and that's really why I got one. I was using an 11-inch iPad Pro. Uh, I kind of given up on the Mini and had the keyboard and the trackpad and everything, and then John, in particular, you spoke so highly of the new Mini. Uh, I ordered one based on your article, and I have absolutely loved it to the point that I don't uh, use the iPad Pro anymore. I need to probably pass it on to somebody. Uh, the Mini really works for me because I don't use the iPad as a computer, as a laptop replacement. I use it for you know Discord and email and Slack and video stuff, right? It's Right. fully in sort of the traditional iPad uses for me, just personally. And so the Mini is fantastic for that. I got the big storage and I got the cellular and that's awesome to have on a device that size. And I just hope Apple keeps paying attention to it because the new one really is so good. And if they just push it a little bit further, like with some of the display stuff in particular, it would be outstanding. Yeah, I, I do notice the display stuff a little bit, and it does bug me. And one of the things I've been experimenting with lately is pairing the Mini with a Logitech Crayon because Logitech, recent, you know, they they were touting the Crayon again with the latest iPad releases, and they sent me one to test, and it's really a nice device. I mean, the thing with someone like me is that I'm, you know, I, I like Apple's Apple's pencil, but. The pressure sensitivity, not having that, I haven't really missed with the mini because I use it more often to just kind of like sketch things out, maybe take a few notes, maybe uh, mark up some screenshots and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And the crayon is really good for that. And you can turn the power off when you don't need it. And yep. the battery lasts kind of a long time. So that's that's something I'm, I, I may write about it at some point, but the crayon has been kind of a nice, a nice pair with the, the mini. Yeah, the mini definitely fits into like the digital notebook kind of space. Right. And I'm not a big Apple Pencil user. I have the Pencil 2. And it is really nice that it just snaps onto the side of it. But uh, the crayon would probably make more sense. I already had the Pencil 2, so I just kept it. But I think if you're looking for something like a little digital sketch pad with good notes or, you know, one of a thousand other good sketching apps on the App Store, there's something about the mini and its size that's I think really attractive about that. And that kind of leads me to my my big question about the Mini. And honestly, I think it's Apple's big question about the mm -hmm. Mini. Is like, who is it for? Like, who walks into an Apple store and leaves with an iPad Mini? Do you all have ideas on that? Uh, I have no idea. I think 
it's a very like when you, when you phrase it like that because it's a very it's a very tricky question. I've always looked at the iPad Mini as an additional iPad for people who already have an iPad. Hmm. Yeah, or, that's what I was gonna say. Or Mac users who want a very small tablet for do exactly what you described, Stephen, like the occasional side task or like a consumption device that you can use on the couch, in the bathtub, in bed, like whatever. I don't know who walks into an Apple store and buys an iPad mini standalone to say, I want to do a bunch of things on this one, including studying and doing work and playing games. The iPad Air is a much better deal as like an sort of all-purpose device. The iPad mini is very specialized. And at the same time, the iPad mini is very different from an iPhone mini. An iPhone mini is, or was, a full-on iPhone, right? It, it just, you chose it because it was smaller and pocketable. The iPad mini, it's not like a, you, you can fit it in your jeans pocket, you know? It's, just, it's still a tablet, but it's just very small. So I think the ideal customer is the person who wants to read a lot of books, and comic books and manga or listen to music or audiobooks but doesn't want to get a Kindle. But then again, it's not priced like a Kindle. No, and you can, right. you can get these other e-readers from Kobo or these other companies much cheaper than an iPad mini. So to answer your question, I don't know who walks into an Apple store and says, I want an iPad mini. Yeah, I, I think that there's another customer, Federico, who is, you know, the person who uses the 12.9 iPad Pro. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for having both the, the largest and smallest iPad, if you're into the iPad, because that's kind of the route that I've gone. And, you know, there are times where the iPad Pro 12.9 inch is just, it's just too big. I don't want to lug it around the house. I don't want to have it in my lap, but maybe I'm watching TV and browsing through Discord or something at the same time. And the iPad mini is a, a better way to do that than my iPhone. And so it does actually pair really well with that, that iPad, but still just like I think for Steven, it is very much a secondary iPad in kind of the way I work. It's just interesting. And I, th I think the price is a big factor there. Like if it was the cheapest iPad, yeah, that's the problem. That would be one thing. But they've made it, 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 it bucks the trend. Normally with Apple stuff, the larger the display, the more it costs. That's been the way, it's, that's how most consumer tech is, right? But the iPad mini, with the iPad mini, Apple has made it a little bit different. Like it's a bit of a premium product because it's smaller. And because of that, you pay a bit more than the base iPad. And that's just, I mean, that is what it is. I can't change that. But it does complicate things if you are looking to uh, to make a purchase. And I mean, I am the kind of user who has a 12.9-inch iPad Pro to, you know, uh, what John said, like the ideal, uh, an ideal customer is the kind of person who has a big iPad Pro and wants a small iPad Pro. But as I mentioned recently, for me personally, I just realized that I always go back to using one iPad 
like the overhead of having multiple iPads is just too much for me. I know that it works for a lot of people. It worked for me before, but it always falls down eventually as a setup. Like there's always that friction of, oh, I forgot to download this app or this app I am not logged in or my home screen is slightly different. My widgets are different. Like there's always that extra step right. that you got to go to make sure that the two iPads look the same. And maybe you don't have the problem. Maybe you don't care. But I I know myself and I know that eventually I, will, uh, I always end up with having one iPad that is not charged and I'm like, oh, I don't want to deal with that. Let me just grab the iPad that I was using 20 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's a sign that I am not cut out for the multi-iPad lifestyle. I've tried it many, many, many times. It just doesn't work for me. But it could work if there was a better way to sync those you know, sort of your user profile across multiple iPads. If it was a little more advanced, sort of like an Apple TV syncing its home screen, like if I could sync my widgets and my home screen pages, and I think maybe there could be a lot of potential there for people like me. I think that's an interesting perspective, Federico, because I think a lot of Mac users feel like that too when they have a desktop and a and a laptop. Yes, yes. Right? And, and so I think given that that's your primary device, I'm not surprised that's where you're coming from. For me, I feel like having both iPads is a little easier because they're not my primary devices. And while I like having the bigger screen of the iPad Pro 12.9 when I'm writing or doing research and writing and that kind of thing, having the mini is just kind of a nice a nice sit back and relax kind of iPad. But, but I, I totally get where you're coming from with that and keeping everything logged in and synced up. This episode of Connected is also made possible by Memberful. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to an audience used by the biggest creators on the web, generate sustainable recurring income while diversifying your revenue stream with Memberful. Listeners will know that we use Memberful to power the membership program here at Relay FM. We've partnered with them many, many years. And a couple of years ago in 2020, when we revamped our membership, we were able to take full advantage of Memberful's platform. And what it has given us in the couple of years since is real stability in the business beyond the advertising. And so you can support us directly, support your favorite shows. And it means that hosts have recurring sustainable income every month. And that means a lot to me as as a business owner here at Relay. If your financial situation has changed in the past year or couple of years in your creative business, you may be looking for a proven solution that's quick to launch so you can stabilize your business and start growing. Well, Memberful handles the hard stuff so you can focus on what you do best while earning revenue quickly. While leaving you in full control and ownership of everything that relates to your audience, your brand, and your membership. It has everything you need to run a membership program, optimized checkouts, Apple Pay, easy member management, dashboard analytics, free trials, gift subscriptions, and more. Memberful seamlessly integrates with the tools you already use, including lots of fully managed integrations with popular services like WordPress, MailChimp, Discord, and more. You can send paid email newsletters directly through Memberful without needing to connect to a third-party email provider. And you can even publish those newsletters uh, to a Memberful-hosted members-only website, which is really cool. So you can go see the whole back catalog 
of Relay newsletters if you want to via Memberful. There's no additional fee for this when signed up for Memberful's pro or premium plans. Plus, you're saving money compared to other popular hosted newsletter platforms that are out there. Get started for free at memberful.com connected. There's no credit card required. That's memberful.com connected. Go there now to check it out. See what it could do for your business. Our thanks to Memberful for their support of the show and Relay FM. There is one more item in our document today, and all it says is Federico's surprise, which happens a lot on this show. You're you're a big surprise boy, but John and I have a guess of what you've done. I don't know if you want to hear that guess or what do you? How do you want to play this? No, I don't want to hear that guess. Um, obviously, it's a it, you know I I like my surprises. This is a regular thing on the on my shows. So before we talk about the actual surprise, I would like to contextualize this surprise is about my setup, right? It's about <laughs> what I've been setting up in my new office space. And I mean, I wouldn't be well surprised if you guys were able to guess what I've done. But before we get to that, um, Stephen, why don't you contextualize, let's see if you can remember, this whole saga of what happened with my desk and my new office over the past few weeks. Yeah, so you moved, you have a new office, uh, you bought a Apple Studio display that you yes. mounted on a VESA mount just right on the wall yes. using iPad Pro, and you have a, I believe, a 14-inch MacBook Pro. Yes. And you, your idea was, okay, I can use the Studio display with either of my computers, right? Depending on what you're doing, if you're doing your regular work or if you're podcasting, you could take advantage of the same screen and you have struggled to find uh, a keyboard and mouse or trackpad, you know, input story, input accessories that let you fluidly move between those devices. You know, you really, your your vision was a single Thunderbolt cable goes to the iPad, the iPad yes. and the keyboard and mouse, the trackpad, everything just works with the studio display. Okay, it's time to record app stories, get my MacBook Pro, plug the same Thunderbolt cable into it and all your accessories and display and everything move over to the laptop. And we talked about some possible solutions for this. Uh, we spoke about how you could use universal control, but that would mean the, the MacBook Pro would have to be on and awake all the time. We talked about, I think you even tried uh, some Logitech accessories that kind of promised to do this, but you didn't like and didn't really do what you wanted to do. Yep. Uh, we also talked about you could just use these devices wired because uh, they both yes. have, you know, they have trackpad and the keyboard have lightning ports and you could leave those plugged into your Thunderbolt dock, which you also bought. Someone in the Discord, I don't think it made it into follow-up or maybe it did, I don't remember, but... Uh, someone in Discord had suggested, well, you could just plug the keyboard and trackpad in for a second because that pairs them and then unplug it and like get rid of the cable, you know, hide the cable away in your actual usage. But there's still a lot of back and forth, right? And you're like repairing your devices several times a week. Exactly. So I believe where we left you is you don't really have a super smooth solution to move between your two computers and the rest of your setup. Right. Well, that's an excellent summary. I think you got all the details right. I don't think you forgot anything. So here's the thing. Um, usually I record episodes of my podcasts on macOS, right? Usually that's what I do. 
But the thing is, I never left iPadOS today. In fact, as I'm talking to you right now, the screen I'm looking at in front of me is iPadOS with Stage Manager. And the iPad, you know, underneath the display is also iPadOS, obviously. Mm -hmm. I am recording this on macOS, but I'm not looking at it. In fact, and I'm going to send you a picture. All right. I'm uploading this in Discord. Uh, this is a tiny macOS window. Steven, as the editor of the show, you're, you're shaking now, aren't you? I mean, no, if he's recording on macOS, so you are using... I'm recording on macOS. Yeah, you're... I'm recording on Yeah, Mac you're recording OS. on macOS. You're using VNC or screens ah, or some sort of remote control from the iPad to get to the Mac. That is absolutely correct. Because the thing that I've done is... So we've been talking about like this dream of having these accessories without wires, without cables that I absolutely hate. And I wanted to have, like, I wanted to achieve this dream. And so I've been talking with a bunch of people behind the scenes, as I always do. And I realized that there was only one way forward for me if I wanted to do this and have the Apple Magic keyboard and the Apple Magic trackpad without cables and use both with macOS and iPadOS. And there was only one way. And that one way was universal control. By universal control, I could do it with my previous setup, but I couldn't do it in a way that I liked because <laughs> it meant that I needed to leave my MacBook Pro open. Here we go. Or at least connected somehow. Okay, this this is leading into John and I's guess. I think you guys guessed it. Um, so <laughs> yes, we you have you have purchased. <laughs> We were debating a Mac Mini or a Mac Studio. It's absolutely a Mac Studio. No, 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 no. Last week I went ahead and I'm sorry, but I needed to test this out. And I know that there are new Mac Minis on the horizon. So for now, I kept it pretty cheap and, you know, I did pretty simple. I got me a refurbished Mac Mini, a base model from... Well, Steven. There you go. I'm uploading a I'm uploading a picture in Discord. Oh, there it is. I got a base model 2020 Mac Mini, uh, the the very base model, 256 gigs of storage, eight gigs of RAM, and this is my new setup. I'm uploading. Uh, being crushed by three other pieces of hardware on top of it. That poor Mini. Please do not complain about this. Uh, in the article that I will publish on uh, the monthly log for Club Maxories members in just a few hours, which John did not read, uh, I wrote how all of this will be hidden eventually because I still need to actually no, get it. I know you don't have a new desk. I yeah. still need to get a new desk. All of this is temporary and I just wanted to make sure that this could work for today. And so here's how it all came together. I got a Mac Mini. I upgraded the Mac Mini to Ventura. I got a refurbished model. It basically looks new. Like it's incredible. Like you can save money and get a computer that is basically new, but it's not. Um, so here's the here's the idea. The Mac Mini is always on, okay? 
It, it never goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. The And I was actually talking to Jason about this behind the scenes. Jason and I talk and eventually, like I always say, eventually those things become articles. Sometimes on Mac stories, sometimes on Macward and Six Colors. I was talking to Jason. Jason told me, hey, I, like, I think you can totally do this with a Mac Studio. And that got me thinking. I was like, hmm, I don't want to buy a Mac Studio, but maybe I can get a Mac Mini. And so it, it dawned on me, like, I can get a refurbished Mac Mini. So... Uh, Steven, the USB pre two is lacking cables uh, because yeah, it, it was just for it was just for the photo op. <laughs> so I wanted to I wanted it to look nice. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, wow, you, you, it's like an Apple thing. You've got no cables whatsoever. Good job. You bought the white Stream Deck. Yes, that looks sick. God, that looks good. Yeah, that does look pretty cool. I'm getting to it. I'm getting to okay. it. Okay. Um, so the Mac Mini is always on. Uh, the Magic Trackpad and Magic Keyboard are originally paired with the Mac Mini. Then I enabled Universal Control, and the Mac Mini is running headless. Uh, it's not connected to a display. The iPad Pro is on the... on. It's it, That's actually not, a, uh, not the Apple smart cover. It's another smart folio that I got from Amazon. I don't remember the name. I'm trying that out. Uh, but anyway, the idea is I can... Um, pick up the iPad and bring it to the living room if I want to use it like a tablet or place it there, run a single cable and connect it to the studio display. So when I'm working, the iPad Pro is always connected to the studio display. When I want to use the keyboard and trackpad, I just need to imagine (laughs) that I'm moving the pointer to the left of the Mac Mini. The Jason Snell technique. Yes, and by imagining that, it does appear. You just you 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 will it into existence, and the pointer appears. Right? That's how universal control works, and it totally does. It totally works. So for the past <laughs> sure for the past few days, I've been using and working with the iPad Pro like this. Um, here's what's going on with the other gear. Uh, the uh, the USB Pre two is my current audio interface. That's where the microphone and mute switch are plugged in right now. It's connected via USB to the Mac Mini. Um, when it's not in use, I can just unplug the USB. Uh, what's it, what is it? USB B cable. B, yeah, that it's just like the printer. From, the printer USB. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can just unplug the USB-B cable from the right side of the USB pre, so it's disconnected from the Mac Mini. Uh, the CalDigit TS4 Thunderbolt dock. This one controls the uh, studio display. So uh, I can use it to... I run the iPad Pro to the dock, and the dock goes to the studio display, and I can also use it for expansion and Ethernet. The Mac Mini is uh, plugged into Ethernet right now, uh, and it also has the new Elgato Stream Deck MK2. That's the only model that I could find in white. I know that I wanted to get a white Stream Deck, um, and I know that I wanted to get white accessories because I already know that in the future I will get a different desk with a slightly darker texture. It's going to look sick. And white accessories are going to look amazing on it. So that's why I really wanted to get these white accessories. Uh, and the Stream Deck, like I wrote in the article that will come out in, the, uh, in, in just a few hours, uh, the Stream Deck, 
I figured how I figured out how to use it to run shortcuts by pressing obviously physical buttons. But those shortcuts, you may wonder, well, if it's plugged into the Mac, surely the shortcuts are running on macOS. No, the shortcuts, I am triggering them on the Stream Deck, but they run on the iPad. And you may wonder, how can you do that? I realized that I could put together a nice little system where I can press a button on the Stream Deck and using PushCut which is this incredible automation utility. It sends a notification to my iPad Pro. And on the iPad Pro, I can just tap the notification and it runs the shortcut I want. So for example, to start the timer in Timery that I'm usually starting for shows, I pressed a button, the iPad got a notification, I tapped it and it started my timer. So I will be setting up the Stream Deck as a physical dashboard for my shortcuts that I'm running on the iPad Pro instead of macOS. Additionally, the Mac Mini, obviously I realized, well, if I have a Mac Mini that is always on, I got to use it for something, you know? Well, why, why not? So I had this OWC Thunderbolt drive. It's a one terabyte drive that I got last year. So I set up once again my offline music collection, my music library, with Rune on the Mac Mini. So the Mac Mini is already being used as a Rune core. So I can listen to my music library using Rune, Rune Arc, and other compatible apps from iPhone, the iPad, other Macs, whatever. Which means I will no longer need my Intel NUC that I was using before for my music collection. Now, if I have a Mac Mini again, well, uh, rest in peace, Intel NUC. I no longer need you. (laughs) Uh, But I'm thinking about other uses for the Mac Mini as a server. I'm open to ideas if people have recommendations. I mean, of course, Plex comes to mind. Uh, I'm thinking about the... I need to watch some Italian TV is what I need, Federico. So get that Plex thing up and running. I probably probably will do Plex. I will... We'll do the guest account for people. So I will probably need to find, um, since we moved, I can no longer find my HD Home Run TV tuner. I think I lost it. (laughs) They are impossible to find online. Yeah, they really are. I've got one. I don't know how to get one anymore. I think I lost mine and I don't know how to buy one. But what I will do is I will uh, set up a HD home run eventually when I will be able to purchase one and uh, set up a guest account on macOS and do what I described, I think, on App Stories or Connected. I forgot. But basically, I will make a, a, a section of macOS where people can find Netflix, Apple TV+, live TV, and whatnot. Um, but I think I will also check out that... Um, signals for HomeKit. Yeah. It's a it's a third-party HomeKit utility that you can run on macOS as a server thing. And basically you can use like HomeKit stuff to run shortcuts on the Mac in the background. Right. Which is something that I will be that I will be thinking about. But yeah, I'm open to ideas if folks have other ideas for a Mac mini that is always on. Uh, right now I got Rune Plex signals for HomeKit. if there's anything else please let one me one thing know. one thing i would add is uh you probably want a, a new external drive for that but you can set up 
a time machine server just in regular macOS now. And so it could be backing up Sylvia's MacBook Pro. And I guess, you, are you keeping your MacBook Pro, did you say? I, unknown at this point. But, but you could set that up so anytime she's just on the network, time machine is running just across the network. So she doesn't have to like plug in a time machine drive, which, you know, it could be a real pain on a notebook. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, I've got that set up for uh, the the MacBook Airs uh, that my kids use for homework and school stuff. And uh, it's fantastic. Like, it works really well. And, I mean, the first one is slow because it's over your network, you know, maybe by Good Heroes, uh, see previous discussion. But mm. after that, it's totally fine. And uh, that could be a good use, especially since it's always going to be on because you want it always on for other stuff you're doing. Yeah, mail, mail rules, mail rules too, Federico. I mean, you know, this is kind of the kind of stuff you can do if you have an always on Mac with mail running in the background. You can set up rules that probably will handle a lot of the stuff you used third party services for in the past. Yeah, we did a we did an episode of MPU like two years ago called the Mighty Mac Mini, and it was all about uh, uses for an always-on computer. Like uh, another one is Hazel. Like if you have uh, yep. things that you want to run, I mean, really like mail, any always-on Mac app can be really helpful. So a lot of people use Hazel in conjunction with Dropbox or iCloud Drive to like process files. Um, I would definitely have your entire photo library like downloaded to it so you can back that up somewhere. You just gave me an excellent idea. What if I add what if I add Hazel support to Apple frames? Ooh, so you that go. you can drop a bunch of images in a folder and huh. Hmm. Gotta think about it, but that's an idea. You could do it. Yeah, having an always on Mac makes a big difference when it comes to automation because especially with like iCloud Drive, you can you can drop things in folders and use them to trigger all sorts of automation stuff. Okay, okay. These are all good ideas. So I'm making a note. The opportunities are endless with an always on Mac. I mean, I've got one, I've got 2018 Intel Mac Mini under my TV that has a super drive attached to it because sometimes kids still want to watch stuff on DVD. But I have Homebridge running on it. I've got the Time Machine server running on it. I have Plex running on it. Homebridge for what? Uh, so I use Homebridge to bring in my Ring accessories into HomeKit. Mm, oh, yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, some, yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. else. I run two main things in there. I forget what the other one is. But, um, oh, my Home Alarm system. Uh, they have an app, but it's not HomeKit compatible, but there's a Homebridge plugin. So, yeah, I mean, you have lots of opportunities here, and I think you're going to find, like, for me, if that Mac Mini died, like, I don't know if, the, I mean, it'd be a bummer not to watch DVDs for the kids, but, like, I'd replace it because of the other stuff that I use it uh, for. Are you guys familiar with, are you guys familiar with this pie hole thing that people mention? Yeah, often? network no, ads, that's, blocking. That's kind of, that's kind of a... Yeah, that's a definitely a rabbit hole, Federico. <laughs> uh, so far, I have Good luck. Hazel uh, running one of these like ad blockers on your network, like either Piehole or uh, someone in Discord mentioned Ad Ad Guard Home, um, Time Machine Server, Plex, Channels DVR. If there's anything else, uh, like I will be. These are all like uh, holiday projects, and it was killing me that I couldn't mention this in the in the App Stories episodes. But yeah, um, part three, baby. <laughs> uh, part three. I guess there should be a part three. <laughs> there should be. I've got another project that I'm working on that's that's along the lines of this, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disclose. Interesting. Interesting. Um, the, there's one aspect I did not mention. Well, two more actually. 
So one is this Mac Mini is low on storage, obviously. Yeah. So, um, so right now I placed the Dropbox folder on the external drive, mm-hmm. and I selective synced the two folders, one for App Stories and the other for Connected, which are the two folders I use to upload. Uh, files for the shows i don't think i need it for anything else i don't know how bad of an idea it is to run dropbox uh, dropbox on an external drive but i mean it it works and it's supported as long as you have an apfs drive which i do um so it should be fine i think and lastly controlling mac os so obviously this mac mini is not plugged into anything right and the screenshot I sent you before uh, was a screenshot from sc- uh, Adovia Screens, the VNC app. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. running screens uh, locally um, over Wi-Fi is fine. I mean, it's totally doable. Um, you're not getting, obviously, the, the full experience of like when you connect a Mac Mini to a studio display. You get the occasional latency problem. You get the graphical artifacts. You get the jittery animations. Like You can tell that compression is going on and that you're communicating with a computer over a wireless network. Now, are there better alternatives to this? I tried the, so I looked around a little bit. I tried jump desktop instead of screens Hmm. and I didn't like the UI and I actually thought that the image quality was worse than screens. I don't know if there's a better alternative to VNC if I want to keep the Mac mini headless. The one thing I want to look into is changing the, the form factor of the virtual display this headless Mac Mini has. So when you run a Mac Mini headless, by default, at least right now, I'm getting a 1080p virtual display, right? At 16.9 form factor. I'm pretty sure that there are like these fake HDMI dongles. Yeah, there are, I have one. That you plug into a Mac Mini so that it's convinced that it's actually plugged into a display, but it's not. My main problem being, when I'm using screens with Stage Manager, it doesn't really play nice with a 16 by 9 form factor. I just want to... I don't know what the solution is. I just want to force this headless Mac Mini to use a 4 by 3 form uh, aspect ratio. Instead of a 16 by 9. Yeah. So that the window in Stage Manager doesn't have black bars around it. So so you could look at a dummy HDMI plug. Those are going to force it to 1080 or 4K. I have not run this. I found it just kind of searching as you were talking. There's a GitHub project called Better Display. Apparently can do a, a lot of custom or, or, or non-standard screen resolutions for mac os again i haven't run this like i'm not i'm not vouching for it jason also put rdm in uh rdm yes i'm saving uh, this in so i'll put both those in the show notes so there are options um and if you can do it in software you know that'd be nice because i think the hdmi dongles yeah. I, i've i've used them in the past and i believe basically they they trick it into 1080 or 4k and both of those would be 16 by 9 
uh, so you don't want to. Okay. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. So I'd I look at I'd look at either RDM or Better Display. Um, Better Display looks very nice. And uh, there's like little menu bar apps, and uh, that may be able to uh, to take care of it for excellent. you. Excellent. 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 So. Yeah, that's great. To, that Better Display is great to see. I mean, I run a headless Mini Two, a 2018 one. That's really just a Plex server more than anything else now, but. Uh, but having a better way to view the screen would be a, a big help. So re- report back on those if you try them for us, because I'd like to know. Oh, this is going to be a whole thing. Uh, because my thought, my, <laughs> so initially, I thought, no, hold on. Because in, first you need to wrap your head around this setup. It gets kind of trippy if you think about it, right? Um, I am using an iPad Pro plug into a studio display, and I'm controlling Mac OS using a magic keyboard and trackpad on my iPad Pro that are originally paired with the Mac that I'm actually VNCing into. It's a bit of a mind trip, right, when you think about it. My initial thought was, well, what if <laughs> when I need macOS, I, I jump over to sidecar mode real quick and I dip in and out of sidecar? Hmm. But it seems like it's not possible when the iPad is plugged into a studio display. Yeah. Sidecar kind of freaks out and it kicks you back to the lock screen and it doesn't want to do it. Mm, yeah. So if you're running a Mac Mini Headless and you try to enable Sidecar on the iPad, but the iPad is physically plugged into a display, Sidecar freaks out, kicks me back to the lock screen and it doesn't want to do it for me. So that doesn't seem like a solution. That's why I'm using screens. If there is a better alternative to screens, I'm all for it. But in terms of performance and design, it really is the best I've found so far. If this was a Windows PC, I'd be using RDP instead of VNC. And, you know, remote desktop is much better than than VNC in terms of performance and image quality. I don't think RDP is supported on macOS, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, we're stuck with VNC. I mean, it all works. I'm recording this episode with Audio Hijack running as like I'm basically using macOS as just another window in Stage Manager, which sure is kind of amusing <laughs> and ridiculous. But it hurts me when you say it like that. I know, I know, it's just another window, but it does and what I want. And this is my the conclusion from the story. This is like the the, the universal control dream that I had in mind. Right? I have this iPad as a modular computer, which with a single cable can become a desktop workstation. I can unplug the cable and use it as a tablet. I have this trackpad and this keyboard on my desk with no cables, and they seamlessly switch between devices. I have a Mac for all those times when I need to use a Mac. I have a Stream Deck for running shortcuts by pressing physical buttons with nice colored icons on it and eventually i will have a new desk but like right now i'm very very happy with this and unless i majorly screwed up somewhere and i didn't actually record this episode which shouldn't be the case because i recorded myself multiple (laughs) times to make sure that everything was working and audio hijack says that everything is working i think uh, i think this is it i mean obviously i will need to get a new desk all of this equipment that is 
currently on the desk, like the Mac Mini, the USB audio interface, the Thunderbolt dock, and the external drive, all of this, I want to go away from the desk, so I will need to... I think I will need to get like a custom design desk or something, like I'm thinking about it. Uh, I need to talk to the guy who designs things for us about this, but like the idea is that I will get like a, like a section underneath the desk where I can place all of this and my audio gear. So I'll think about that, but eventually the goal is to have a very minimal desk with just iPad, trackpad, keyboard, stream deck, and the cube, obviously, some very nice diffused lighting underneath the desk and behind the desk. But this is the setup. This is it. Uh, and I'm very happy with it. And the beauty of it is, if you do need to actively directly control the Mac Mini, yes, you can just uh, just plug into it because it's right there. It's just a, just a cable away. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Having it all in one spot like that makes it a lot more flexible too. That's that's a great. I like your setup. That's really really a good solution. Now my one my my one last question is: Do I really need to keep using this USB pre two? And I'm only asking because it's ugly. Well, I was going to ask you about that. It's just ugly at this point, guys. Can you can you get me? Can you tell me by this where this is a nicer looking product that maybe even makes me sound better? I mean, that would be nice. Like, is there anything better that looks nicer than this object? First question: Why are you unplugging it? No, 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 no. This will stay on the Mac Mini. I'm just concerned about uh, leaving uh, leaving it powered on. Oh, all right. All the time. It doesn't have an on-off switch. No. I have a I have a little box for mine that cuts the power to the USB. Yeah, that's one of the benefits of the Mix Pre Three that I'm using is that it does have an on-off switch. So I mine just is turned off when I'm not using it, and it's a lot smaller too. Yeah, I think one of the Mix Pre. I'm talking on the Mix Pre 6 at the moment. Uh, the 3 is a little bit smaller. The setup can be a little tricky on them. It's definitely like set it once and never touch it again because it it basically treats the USB signal as an input. It's kind of different from the way the USB Pre 2 thinks about things. Uh, but I've been happy with mine. I mean, I, I use a USB Pre 2 still at my desk, but the Mix Pre is what I use when I travel. I'm using it today because I'm recording somewhere else, and it's... Uh, it's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, I, what I like too about the Mix Pre 3 is it takes SD cards so I can hit record on it too and have an extra backup that's physically on a different piece of hardware than my Mac. Oh, but this doesn't look any nicer. No. I mean, they're all going to have knobs and stuff on them. Why do they look ugly? Why are they ugly? I mean, the look at the Cal Digit. It's a pro accessory, but it looks decent yeah it's uh, it's ugly yeah no the cal digit's not good looking either i don't think it's too big some people like the elgato the wave xlr i think is what it is it's like one big knob um i have one i do not like it i think the preamp isn't that good and i think the one knob is like too confusing to use Oh, but this looks much nicer, though. Yeah, but it's a pain to use, I think. It's a, it's very software-bound, too, isn't it, Stephen? I think it is. I only use it on Windows, and on Windows it is. I don't know about on the Mac. But what I like about the Mix Pre and the USB Pre 2 is there's no software required. You know, someone mentioned Focusrite, right, the Scarlet exactly. lineup, and that stuff looks nice. But at least in my experience, some of the Scarlet devices do require like macOS software drivers or something. And I just am like 
at my cellular level allergic to audio drivers. Like I want just a USB or a Thunderbolt device. This, these are not, the red is not gonna play well with the vibe of this room. So uh, I'm gonna put a link to this in the Discord. Uh, the Universal Audio Apollo. That's it. I like it. Uses Thunderbolt. I think it also. I think it requires software. I'm not sure. I've never used one. I like the sound of this. Go on. It looks Apollo nice. Apollo is a great uh, name. Apollo. It looks really? nice. It's what uh, Marquez Brownlee has one on his desk. Um, he's talked about it I before. I like that. Okay. Ooh, see now you're getting like this is more my vibe. But I d I don't know the software uh, story there. I just, again I haven't used one. But it looks nice, and it's Thunderbolty. Now that's ah, see. Yeah, that's a good looking device. That's yeah. more like it. That's more the vibe. Which one though? Um, Ooh, the Apollo Solo looks real nice, Stephen. But I don't think it's XLR. The Solo, I think, is probably the way to go. I don't think you need anything more than that. Like you don't need one that has multiple channels in. You know. No. 700 bucks puts Apollo it in Solo. the price area of the USB Pre 2, I think. Oh, this is much, much nicer. But you will be swimming in uncharted territory. None of your friends can support you with this. Like, if you bought a Mix Pre, John or I could help you with it. Yeah, but nobody can help you with that one. Well, you can just text uh, MKBHD, you know. <laughs> I like that. I will be alone with my Apollo. See, it's Thunderbolty. Well, I can just uh, I can text A and be like, hey, Marquez. Uh, <laughs> probably don't know me but uh, I need some help with this thing um, ah, thank you thank you for this Steven if you think of anything else that looks nice and does what I need see this is more the vibe like I wouldn't be I wouldn't mind this being shown on my desk you know does it need to be powered on all the time well, well, well I bet it's got a switch on it I think it's probably got a switch looks, uh, looks switchy enough to me yeah. Okay. Yeah, the sound the sound devices stuff actually creates a fair amount of heat. At least mine does. If you don't have it powered off, it kind of it's kind of warm. So I I, I keep it off all the time. Okay. So this is a serious contender. I just realized, and I was taking a look at the Discord. Um, the Luna display, I suppose, is an option now mm -hmm. for me, if I want to control with better quality than than VNC. Yeah, you got Looks options. like I'm not quite finished with my setup, but but like the core structure, I think, right, is in place at this point. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been a bit of a bit of a journey. Uh, yeah, there will be there will be more pictures and screenshots in the monthly log, which I forbid John from opening. <laughs> today <laughs> yes eventually it'll get published when i can find the time but i'm on i'm on a microphone right now it's just not happening at the moment but you guys guessed it you, you guys guessed all of this right you guys were able, mac you, mini or mac studio yeah yeah we were pretty close so if you want to find links to stuff we spoke about including images of uh federico's setup uh they're in the show notes at relay.fm slash connected slash 426. And any self-respecting podcast app will have them there as well. While you're on the website, you can join and get Connected Pro, which is a longer ad-free version of the show each and every week. You can go to giverelay.com or use the code 2023HOLIDAYS until December 17th for 20% off an annual plan. Go check that out. Uh, you can find us all online. Federico is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. John is the managing editor, 
of Max Stories. Yeah, that's the that's the title the I gave myself. The lieutenant editor of Mac Stories. You boys do great work. I love everything you do. John, thank you again for coming on this week. Thanks for having me. You can find my writing at 512pixels.net, and I also host Mac Power Users here on Relay FM. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Text Expander and Memberful. And until next time, guys, say goodbye. See you later. Arrivederci. Bye, y'all.